Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 3 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 202 is entitled Abortion. Abortion began with the following arguments. Outrage against the butchery of dark alley abortions, women's rights, health of the mother, incest and rape. Emotional trauma. But it quickly escalated into a political battle, mostly buried under rhetoric. The first thing that we can dismiss is the argument that abortion is about women's health. If abortion were strictly about women's health, there would be no escalating argument. I cannot imagine anyone condemning a woman to death. Any compassionate person would leave that decision entirely to the mother and to those whom she chose to be her counselors. There may be other extenuating circumstances, such as incest or rape, which should be determined privately with competent people of her own choosing. The abortion issue, however, quickly escalated and went beyond the issue of a mother's health or emotional state of mind. In an article, Studies in Family Planning, a publication of the Population Council, February 1969, number 38, the following methods of population control were presented for consideration. The list, Proposals Beyond Family Planning, is incomplete. You may access the entire article on the Internet. 1. Institutionalization of maternal care in rural areas of developing countries aimed particularly at women of low parity. 2. Liberalization of induced abortion. 3. Mass use of fertility control agent by government to regulate births at acceptable level. The fertility control agent designed to lower fertility in the society of 5% to 75% less than the present birth rate as needed. 4. Marketable license to have children, given to women and perhaps men in whatever number would ensure the reproduction rate of 1, say 2.2 children per couple. The unit certificate might be the DESI child, and if 10 of these units by purchase, inheritance, or gift would permit a woman in maturity to have one legal child. 5. Temporary sterilization of all girls via time capsule contraceptives, and again after each delivery, with reversibility allowed only upon government approval. Certificates of approval distributed according to popular vote on desired population growth for a country, and sellable on open market. Compulsory sterilization of men with three or more living children, requirement of induced abortion for all illegitimate pregnancies. 7. Inclusion of population materials in primary and secondary school systems. 8. Payment for the initiation or the effective practice of contraception. Payment or equivalent for sterilization. 
9. Payment for periods of non-pregnancy or non-birth. A bonus for child spacing or non-pregnancy. Responsibility prizes for each five years of childless marriage or for vasectomy before the third child and special lotteries with tickets available to the childless. 10. Withdrawal of maternity benefits after third child. 11. Reversal of tax benefits to favor the unmarried and the parents of fewer rather than more children. 12. Promotion of two types of marriage, one of them childless and readily dissolved, and the other licensed for children and designed to be stable. The above was not a movie script for a horror film. The article was written in 1969, over 50 years ago. Of course, none of the proposals are legal in the United States. I merely present the article to illustrate that think tanks regarding population control do exist. It should be clear to everyone that family planning, Planned Parenthood, and abortion clinics are more about population control than women's health. In 1967, Walt Disney Productions released a cartoon backdropped with the famed Donald Duck about family planning. It illustrated how miserable parents were if they had more than three children, and how happy and successful families were if they restricted their family to three children. It is a silly film, and symbolizes the arrogance of the elite, who because of money, power, birthright, or fame, think they know better than we do how to govern our lives. It is insulting to human intelligence. However, it is revealing it is ironic that Disney Plus filmed a remake of the 1950s film, Cheaper by the Dozen, proving that money is primary, family value secondary. In addition, as outrageous as the suggestions in the family planning article might appear, under extreme circumstances, that which is possible can quickly become probable under a dictatorship. Look at China. And what may seem absurd in one decade may appear perfectly logical in another. Imagine, for example, if the issues which we face today concerning gender, critical race theory, and teaching transgender to four-year-olds were promoted in the 50s. They would have been met with universal contempt. Today it has been reported that some teachers encourage transgender to third and fourth graders. Look at the anger that surrounded the overturning of Roe v. Wade, which merely followed the Constitution and placed abortion under complete domain of the states where it belongs. Roe v. Wade, in the same outrageous vein as the 12 articles listed above, took away states' rights and mandated the agenda of the left, which is universally pro-abortion. Also notice how quickly abortion moved from first term to second term to third term, and then to partial birth abortion. Some radicals argue that it should be legal to kill a child shortly after it is born. Under no circumstances can taking the life of a living child inside or outside the womb be called a medical procedure. The murder of a living child is first-degree murder in a cold and calculating sense, and no euphemism can hide the horror of such inhumanity. With modern technology, both the life of the mother and the life of the child can be saved, and if the mother chooses to reject the child, the child can be put up for adoption. The Social Democrats want to remove even the idea of morality or law from the abortion issue. As with any attempt to take human life, first the life must be dehumanized. They refuse to refer to a fetus as a fetus, a baby, a child, an embryo, or a human life. They call it by the euphemism 
medical tissue. In searching the internet, I came up with the following euphemisms for abortion. Privacy rights. Health rights. Bodily autonomy. Women's health care. Reproductive choice. Pro-choice. Rather than say partial birth abortion, they suggest reproductive health care. Rather than abort a child, they use voluntary interruption of pregnancy. Abortion activists suggest that you do not call those who oppose abortion pro-life. Rather, refer to them as anti-choice. Those who favor abortion should be called pro-choice, not pro-abortion. Rather than abortion, refer to it as termination of pregnancy. Rather than unborn baby, refer to it as product of conception. Rather than killing an unborn child, refer to it as the right to choose, or reproductive rights, or reproductive health. It is all still death to the unborn child. They avoid the gruesome details of what they euphemistically call medical procedures entirely. Such graphic details would be unbearable. Simply put, the unborn baby must be dismembered with steel instruments. How is it that an instrument used to murder a person outside the birth canal is called a weapon, whereas an instrument used to murder a child about to be delivered from the birth canal is called a medical procedure? What horror hides behind language? Euphemism is a strange thing. With it we lie. With it we turn our backs on the truth. With it we obscure reality. And with it we murder innocent children. Planned Parenthood in real time simply means premeditated murder of innocent babies. To be financially successful, they must meet quotas, meaning they must kill a certain number of babies each day. It is equal to the Holocaust. The commander of Auschwitz was very happy when he successfully murdered 20,000 innocent Jews a day. Six million Jews were murdered because of quotas. Fifty million babies have been murdered because of quotas, with millions more each year. Germany had the final solution. America has planned parenthood. We think we would never repeat the atrocities of the past. The conquistadors murdered millions of innocent Indians because they first dehumanized them. The Germans murdered millions of innocent Jews because they first dehumanized them. Planned Parenthood murders millions of innocent babies because they first dehumanized them, calling them medical tissue. The pattern is exactly the same. Dehumanization is the first step to mass murder, all buried under the cloak of euphemism. Planned Parenthood is not about women's health. Planned Parenthood is about abortion. In a 12-month period between 2017 and 2018, Planned Parenthood performed 345,672 abortions. At that rate, in a 10-year period, they will have performed 3,456,720 abortions. That represents half the abortions in the United States over the same 10-year period. The overall number of abortions for the U.S. in a 10-year period would be closer to 6 million. It is the nature of big business to have quotas. One can only assume that Planned Parenthood is in the business of selling abortions, not counseling parents. That suggests that when a woman goes to Planned Parenthood for counseling, counselors sell abortion as the first choice. Their income depends upon it. Planned Parenthood is a euphemism for fetus slaughter. National Library of Medicine publication released online in August 18, 2020, reported that black women have been experiencing induced abortions at a rate nearly four times that of white women for at least three decades, and likely much longer, unquote. Why is there such a racial disparity? In addition, in the future, abortion will be used as a form of birth control, as a form of euthanasia, 
and as a form of population control. Such things unchecked are inevitable. A baby may be aborted because it is the wrong gender, or wrong color, or wrong economic level. Heaven forbid that we should reach the level where a baby may be aborted for body parts, or for scientific research. A baby may be aborted because of the mere possibility of deformities. A baby may be aborted because it does not meet the standards of the parents. It also opens the door of genetic altering as parents put in an order for the perfect child. Dehumanization is a slippery slope. Think of the inhumane things that have been done to animals in the name of research. If a baby is dehumanized to the level of an animal, what is to prevent science from doing the same thing to the unborn? The dehumanization of human life began with social Darwinism, the idea that life is accidental, the idea that there is no God, no intelligent design, no divine creator, no infinite plan, no life after death, and no moral absolutes. It goes against the very fabric of our freedom. It is inevitable that such social Darwinism will influence state-supported health care. The same thing that happened to abortion in the United States and the world will also inevitably happen in what is euphemistically called affordable health care, a universal health plan. Corporations do not have a conscience. Government is a corporation. Numbers, not names, are fed into a computer and data determines life and death. Once a policy is in place, you are nothing but a statistic. Those of you who vote for affordable health care in your youth will have your life determined by affordable health care in your old age. Accelerated attrition, by necessity, will be used to control spending. It is not in the best interest of socialized medicine for people to live beyond a certain age. Ideology may rule your passions, but reality will govern your life when you become expendable. It is no coincidence that those legislatures who so surreptitiously imposed socialized medicine upon our nation exempted themselves and their friends from its effects. Beware of those hypocrites who will sacrifice you for their ideals, but will not sacrifice themselves. If affordable health care is best for everyone, why do they object to it for themselves, their families, and their friends? Euthanasia will be a necessary part of any state-supported health plan. Of course, they will not take people out and shoot them. They will simply withhold life-saving health care for the elderly, the infirm, the crippled, or others who are a burden to society. It will be for economic reasons, but it will be an early death sentence to the elderly. In the recent coronavirus pandemic, an order was issued not to resuscitate victims whose heart had stopped, but put all attention on the virus. That, of course, is a form of euthanasia. Withholding health care for the elderly is a form of euthanasia. One wonders if those who make those decisions would actually enforce them on members of their own family or upon themselves. My brother, aged 82, was hospitalized for COVID. The hospital refused to treat him because he had not been vaccinated and the government would not pay for it. They sent him home. Fortunately, his good doctor intervened and placed him in another hospital. During care, he had to be resuscitated and his family called in. Had he not been in the hospital, he would have died. That is what elderly people can expect in the future. Euthanasia, like abortion, will be dressed in elegant robes of colorful rhetoric and convoluted logic. It must always be so. To mask the misery, it must be camouflaged in happy terms. Many horrors have been practiced on mankind in the name of public good, couched in elegant language. One form of euthanasia is to withhold health care from the elderly or from the terminally ill. 
Another form of euthanasia is to predetermine the quality of health care for defined groups. Another form of euthanasia, of course, is to abort fetuses that are not perfect. Another form of euthanasia is carefully camouflaged population control with selective sterilization. Another form of euthanasia is a critical reduction in the availability of health care due to incompetence of administration or calculated malicious neglect. Another form of euthanasia is allowing our selected officials to choose their health care, but not allowing the ordinary citizens to choose theirs, thus removing themselves from reality. This is what happens with socialized medicine, which is ultimately ruled by the bottom line. In socialized medicine, life is determined in the cold halls of squabbling Congress rather than between the patient and his or her doctor. People will push the limits of science. Arguments are based on the presiding premise, and we move from plateau to plateau. Normal is not that which is to become. Normal is that which is. Normal is like the shift in sands. It moves with the prevailing winds. Abortion is a case in point. The murder of children, even outside the womb, is becoming the new normal, all under the name of rights. It is made possible because of the dehumanization of the human fetus. Once it was designated as medical tissue, rather than a live baby, it lost all rights, and rights are transferred to those designated by law to have rights. We must understand that if we can redefine life in the womb, we can also redefine life outside the womb. When, for example, are the elderly and infirm no longer considered human? Withholding medical treatment from the elderly is a form of euthanasia, call it what you will. I am not talking about pulling the plug on people who are brain dead, living in a vegetable state. There is a point when removing artificial life support is a common sense decision based on informed judgment. I am talking about eliminating people who are considered inconvenient to society. Now abortion has become an industry with a hidden agenda. Family planning, supported by tax dollars, is about wholesale abortion for profit, for birth control, and for population control. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.